Good morning. Come on up. See if you can find a seat here kind of close so you can reach today. Yeah. Oh, good. Good, good, good. Good morning. Hello, scouts. I'm so glad you're here. I, I want to tell our scouts a little story before we get started. Somewhere, it was in my house for many years, and I finally sent it to my brother. There is a uniform just like that with the same pack number on the sleeve. My brother used to be in 1978, and then in Troop 57, his name's on the wall down there. So, welcome. I am glad you are here for Scout Sunday. I brought this with me today. Tell me what I brought. It's a globe. Did anybody happen to start watching any Olympics this week? Yeah, a little bit. They just started. They just started a little bit the late last week and opening ceremony on Friday. And most of the time when I've turned on the TV so far, it's been people talking. I haven't seen a whole lot of sports yet, but we're getting there. We're getting there. But one of the things that happened is when we were watching the opening ceremonies, did you watch a little bit of of that? The Parade of Nations. And what happens is how many countries are in the Olympics this year? 90, I think. There's a lot. Exactly, there's a lot. Not this time. And um, we were watching them all come in, and we were reading the bottom of our screen to see what the name of the country was. And then they would show a little bit of the map to show you where it was. And so we went and got the globe from upstairs in our house, and I was spinning it around trying to find all the countries, and it was kind of hard to spin it that fast. Well, then... We got to the part, the very last countries to march in are the countries where the Olympics is that year. Where are the Olympics this year? Yeah? Philadelphia. No, not quite. They're not in our country this year. There's probably an athlete from there. Yeah? Where? South Korea. They are in in South Korea this year, which is all the way, way over here on the map. Way over here. Way over here. And what was interesting this year is even though there's two separate countries, South Korea and North Korea, they had two athletes, one from South Korea and one from North Korea, holding the flag together. It was a different flag. It wasn't the South Korean flag. It was a white flag. It had the whole outline of the land on it. And we were talking in my house about why that was kind of a big deal, why that doesn't always happen and why it was kind of important and why it was kind of serious and why it might even be a little bit hopeful. But I thought while we were in church this morning that that is one of the places, did you see what I brought? They're itty-bitty. I brought some, they're band-aids. They are, and I thought I would put one right over here on top of Korea because it's one of those places on our earth that we want to pray for healing, to be made well, because there's something there that's broken. But you know, that's not the only place. And in our Bible story that we're going to hear in just a little bit, we see Jesus healing somebody, because somebody asks. So I thought, for our time this morning, if you would like to, I'm going to pass the basket around. You can get a Band-Aid if you want. And where do you want to pray for? that needs healing today, and let's put these on our globe. And if you would like to, and if you need help finding some place, let me know, and I'll try to turn it for you. Where would you like to put a place today? Timmy, you look like you know where you're going there. 
Russia. It's right over here. This one, the big yellow one. We'll pray for Russia. Where would you like to pray for, Cooper? You look like you know where you're going. Go ahead, Kobe. Way up right there in Texas. All right. Kobe, where did you pick? The top of the world. The top of the world. Cover the whole earth in prayer. Ava, what are you looking for? Africa. All right. Thank you for the basket. Who else knows where they want to put one? What can I turn it to for you? California. California. Let's go right over here. This is it right here. The edge of the green there is going to be California. What are you looking for? Japan. Japan is going to be over here. Here we go. That blue one right there. Yeah. And China is going to. Yep, right here. There's the word China right there. Mm-hmm. Logan? India. India. Here's India. You know a lot of places in the world. Oh, we're over here. I can reach. Where do you want to put it? In Canada. The pink right up there. Mm-hmm. Who else is ready? Bennett? Afghanistan. Let's see. That's going to be right over here. There it is, that pink one right there. Mm-hmm. Anybody else ready? Um, yeah? Africa. Africa. There's a big continent. Lots to choose from. Yeah. Bentley? Um, Chinese. We can put in a, China's a big country. That, there's the word Africa right there. Yep. Right here, Bentley. That's China. Did you have one you wanted to do? Yeah. There's China right there. South Korea or South America? South America. We can put one on South America. Central America. Here's South America. South America. There's the words right there. Central America. Okay. Right here. Who didn't get to go yet? Kate, where would you like? Paris. Paris is going to be right over here. There's France, the pink one. Did everybody go that wanted to? Did you want to? Okay. In our scripture today, somebody comes up to Jesus and says, I know you can do it. So if you can, let's reach out our hand. Can you put a hand on our globe? And we're going to pray that way today. We're going to pray for our world as we say, Dear God, thank you for being with us and with your children all over the world. We pray for healing in these places. Help us spread your love and healing to all we meet. Amen? Amen. Thank you. Thank you for your prayers. Yeah, there is. Got our papers? Thank you. That's okay. 
Pastor Caroline mentioned that there's a little confetti on the floor here um, from um, getting the Band-Aids ready to, to stick. So these are witnesses to our kids praying for the world. Yeah, evidence of our kids praying for the world. We heard uh, Mark read um, the text from Mark's Gospel about the transfiguration for this Sunday is Transfiguration Sunday, um, which marks the end of the little ordinary time that comes after uh, Christmas tide. Um, and next Sunday will be the first Sunday of Lent. And so we will um, be beginning our Lenten journey. And of course, that will start this Wednesday with our Ash Wednesday service at 630. But I want us to finish up our series on Mark chapter 1. We're going to hear the last passage that is in chapter 1. A remarkable story that puts us in a remarkable place. So we are beginning to read at verse 40. Listen for the word of God. A leper came to Jesus begging him and kneeling. He said to him, if you choose You can make me clean. Moved with pity, Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I do choose. Be made clean. Immediately the leprosy left him and he was made clean. After sternly warning him, he sent him away at once, saying to him, See that you say nothing to anyone but go. Show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded as a testimony to them. But the man went out and began to proclaim it freely and to spread the word so that Jesus could no longer go into a town openly, but stayed out in the country and people came to him from every quarter. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Let us pray. O Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable unto you, O God, our rock and redeemer. Amen. A few years back, I heard an interview on the radio, an interview of a man named Jose Ramirez from Laredo, Texas. And he had just written a book about his experience at having Hansen's disease. Or leprosy. And the story he told was a heartbreaking, moving story. He was born in Laredo in 1948, and when he was a child, some odd symptoms began to show up. And so his parents, of course, went to many doctors, many folk healers and faith healers, trying to find out what was going on with him. And then when he was 20 years old, in 1968, they went to a folk healer and she said, you have a disease of the Bible. And so after visiting some more doctors and consulting amongst themselves and talking to other people, they decided that his best option was to go to the only leper colony, and I hate using that term, but the only leper colony left in the continental United States in Carville, Louisiana. 
And he spent 10 years there receiving treatment. Hansen's disease is apparently very difficult to contract. It's not very contagious. And it does respond to some specific drug therapy. But when his family sent him to Carville, a hearse pulled up in front of the house. And a hearse drove him to Carville, Louisiana. A disease of the Bible. If we go back to a couple of chapters in the book of Leviticus, Leviticus 13 and 14, we read a bunch of laws about how a person with leprosy should be treated and what a priest should do in those situations. Um, It's really interesting to think about all those old biblical laws that we think don't really apply anymore, but which still affect (laughs) a lot of our behavior, right? Why else would a hearse pull in front of this house and take a 20-year-old to Carville, Louisiana? But in, in Leviticus 13 and 14, when a person has or notices they have leprosy, which was an umbrella term for a variety of skin conditions, all the way from rashes and eczema to things that were much more serious. They had to go present themselves to the priest. And then the priest would send them forth from the community in which they lived. And they had to be separate, completely separate from their community. When walking about in the countryside, they had to call out, unclean, unclean, to let anybody else that might be around know so they could give them a wide berth. For some people, this might last their entire lives, that they would have to live this way. And then there are instructions, of course, for the priest who has to pronounce a person leprous. So as soon as coming into contact with this person, the priest would be ritually unclean and would have to undergo a period of ritual cleansing before the priest could rejoin the community as well, too. This is the kind of man who comes to Jesus, who kneels before him and says, If you choose, you can make me clean. He apparently has heard about the activity of this wandering rabbi from Nazareth. He has heard about the exorcisms. He's heard about the healing. He's heard about the compassion that is shown those who are ill and broken and hurting. And he comes to him and says, please, if you choose... You can make me clean. And Jesus says, I do choose. Let that sit with you for a minute. Jesus says, I do choose. And he touches him. And the man is healed. 
And Jesus then says, don't, don't tell anybody about this. Just go to the priest. Do what is required to have yourself rejoined to the community. But of course, the man can't keep silent. He's been ostracized from his family and from the community, and he's able now to rejoin it. And so he has to tell people. Just as Simon's mother-in-law earlier in the first chapter of Mark becomes the first deacon in Mark's gospel, she is healed by Jesus and she begins serving those around her True to how we are in the kingdom of God, so this healed leper becomes the first evangelist in Mark's gospel. Telling about the healing and the love and the acceptance and the compassion that he has received, and he can't keep it to himself. Now the consequences of this are he can't keep it to himself, and he begins sharing it, and word begins to get around it, ooh, Jesus touched a leper. So I can guess that the religious authorities in the surrounding towns may have begun to view him with suspicion because they've already heard about his activity. And they know that Jesus is now unclean. Jesus heals the man at the risk of becoming unclean himself. And coming under the suspicion of the religious authorities. And so he stays in the countryside. But it doesn't stop the people from coming to him. They hear about the work he does. About the love that he brings. The compassion that is within him that he shares with others. And people come out to him in droves in the countryside. It's as if... Things begin to shift in the power structures. The organized religion in the towns and in the cities begins to shift out to the countryside where the kingdom of God is going off like fireworks. And the shadow has already fallen. We are only at the end of chapter 1 of Mark's Gospel. But we know that John the Baptist has already been arrested and we know what is going to happen to Jesus as a result of his activity with those who are marginalized and ostracized, those whom society has cast off as being useless. My friends, that is the work of the kingdom of God. Offering compassion and love to those that society is seen as unusable. Jose Ramirez titles his book that came out a few years ago, Squint. And a squint refers to a structure in the medieval church in Europe. It would have been a room outside the sanctuary, unto itself with a slit in it, looking into the sanctuary where those who were deemed leprous could look through and observe church services but not participate and not mix with the people.
here is the question that arises in my mind and perhaps it does in yours. Are we so organized that we compartmentalize off those that we think are only appropriate for a room off to themselves and can squint through into what happens in the church? Or can we move into the countryside with Jesus where the kingdom of God is making itself visible and plain, where we can go and say, please, I need healing. I'm broken. I'm confused. And then when we receive that healing, can we share it with others in the countryside? throwing open the doors of God's kingdom to all who have been excluded. We are only at the end of chapter 1 of Mark, and look where we are. Doors thrown open. The shadow has fallen. And Wednesday we begin our journey to the cross. And Jesus says, I do choose. Be made clean. Amen.